Welcome everybody, this is Jim Barton and Reverend Abigail Conley, and we're recording another episode of Bloody Mary Bible Brunch. Today we're going to talk about a uh, social, political topic, and our topic is war. Uh, obviously that topic is seeming more relevant in the news today as we um, see about attacks in uh, Afghanistan using a weapon that we seem to be very obsessed with, the nature of this large scale powerful weapon and as we move uh, aircraft carrier uh, closer to the uh, Korean Peninsula um, there seems to be reason to be concerned about this. So um, with that we wanted to talk first about kind of what the Bible has to say about war and I think there probably are at least two perspectives. So Abby if you don't mind I'll give uh, give the, the sort of biblical pro-war part first. Okay. Is that right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm reading through the Old Testament and I've read the book as of, uh, you know, Joshua and Judges and 1 Samuel. And, you know, God sanctions a lot of war and the war that God sanctions is absolute. Um, one of the things that um, Saul does to finally ruin his relationship with God is that he does not completely destroy um, a city that God uh, delivers into his hands. He was supposed to kill all the animals and the king. And he doesn't do that. And when Samuel comes up, he says, hey, how's it going? Uh, I thought you were going to follow God's law. And Saul says, I did. And Samuel says, uh, can't help but notice those extra cows and stuff over there. <laughs> right. And, uh, right. And so Saul's like, oh, yeah, those. Uh, I just saved those to sacrifice them or something. And so Samuel's not okay with that, calls the king up, and then takes out his uh, sword, I presume. And Samuel himself kills the king. So, kills um, the cows? He doesn't kill the cows, I don't think. Does he kill the cows? He does kill the king? He does kill the king, okay. for sure. He calls the king up and, and curses him and then kills the king. So uh, the point being, of course, is that the... Um, the um, and that's just one story. I mean, there's right. lots and lots of stories of war um, in the Old Testament. We may talk about the Just War Doctrine. We kind of were looking over it and decided that maybe the invasion of Canaan to get the Promised Land probably didn't meet the criteria. <laughs> so... Um, Okay, so that's, that's a non-trivial part of the Bible. So what, what is the other perspective the Bible gives on war? So I would say the other one is found, start with the Old Testament, primarily in Isaiah. Um, because this is the image of what should be. And I think in, there's no way that the, you can make a case for the Bible saying, well, no, war is wrong. Or war should never happen or Are will never happen. Are you still picking out the fruit? Or no, no, no. Thanks. Or that war will never happen. But there is a case that, yeah, this isn't what should happen. What should happen is peace. What should happen is we don't engage with this at all. And so Isaiah very much um, with where you get Jesus, you know, for unto us a son is born, unto us a child is given. Part of that is, before that is like, hey, we're going to burn up the rags that we wore in war in war. We're going to burn up our boots. We're not going to need those anymore. There's a later passage where Isaiah says, yeah, they're going to take the swords and beat them into plowshares and they won't learn war anymore. So this very real idea that when things are as they should be, you, you don't even keep weapons around. There's no even need to protect yourself, much less go out into another country and destroy it. So it's and that's, I think you make a good point that the two perspectives actually can be harmonized. If you take it to be 
that what we are working for is peace. Mm -hmm. What we are working for is an end to war. So not to say that all war is evil, mm -hmm. although you and I might think that, um, but, but to say that the goal, the ambition, is not, uh, is not war. And what was that bumper sticker that you said that you thought was when funny? When Jesus said, love your neighbors, I think he probably meant don't kill them. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is a pretty succinct version of, hey, you know, yeah, loving people means you probably don't kill them. There's also, in um, as we're in Holy Week, as we record this, and um, the place where Jesus is in the garden, and they come to arrest him. And Peter has the idea that, like, hey... I'm going to fight. So he grabs one of the swords, he lops off an ear, and Jesus, of course, is like, no, Peter, put away your sword. Right. He heals the guy, um, his name's Malchus, and sends him off. He's like, no, this is how it has to be. Mm -hmm. And that also is a very real tie of like, no, when faced with aggression, when faced with somebody coming to arrest you, no, put away your sword. This is, this is different. I think one of the things we struggle with is our identity as Christians versus our identity within a nation. Yeah. And we also are in such a different place as a nation, for sure, than the early church, the early Christians were, right? The early Christians, we get to this over and over again, they did not have power. Mm -hmm. And so when they're giving guidance to each other and they're talking about how to relate to the world, they're powerless. And so, um, physically powerless. And so it makes it a very different, I mean, I think the United States, um, particularly if you bring in the rest of Western um, civilization, does have the capacity to create a world where violence isn't present. Mm. I mean, not tomorrow, but I think that we do have the capacity to bring about a world where people's needs are met. And, you know, maybe instead of manufacturing the, you know, mother of all bombs or whatever, the, that's the nickname of this bomb. Right. Um, you know, instead we're looking at, you know, dramatically impactful ways to desalinate water. Mm -hmm. Or we're trying to figure out ways to, you know, um, continue to work with crops that are drought resistant. Or, you know, there's many other things that we could take our technological effort, um, or even our human power, right, to, to do so that we really could change the world in a way that I don't think the early Christians could have imagined. Right. Um, we also talked about how not to be a little bit schizophrenic and flip back um, you know Jesus certainly never promotes violent overthrow right right and that was and there were other people who were doing that mm -hmm. right they were claiming to be the Messiah mm -hmm. so it's like it's not like it didn't occur to him it's not like it's something that wasn't on the table for him to consider doing right. um, but he chose not he chose not to do that um, even to the place of where he um, let himself be executed. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of a, uh, um, I mean, certainly that's another another part that goes into our our basket of like not being in favor of war. Mm -hmm. um, but also he didn't have an army, he didn't have other, you know, he also didn't have to consider the other things, right? Right. Um, and it's not like his followers who got there chose like, hey, we're just going to be peaceful and never do that. I mean, right. instead we opted for the Crusades. And, you know, growing up in Protestant world, there's a lot of people who don't own that. They're like, well, no, that was that was the Catholic Church. I'm like, there wasn't anything else. <laughs> right, like, th right. this was not like, hey, you know, that were those other people. It's like, no, that was the church. That Those were Christians saying, we want the streets to be running with Muslim blood. Right. We want our horses' right. ankles wet right. in the blood of the Muslims. Um, 
So war should give us. War is certainly a place where um, there's opportunity for wickedness. Right. I mean, that's just you know, you know, we hear about the systematic rape that is a part of war, and you hear about you know plunder and things that happen that I think we think doesn't happen um, in modern war, but I, I'm not sure that that's the case. Right. And the truth is. You know, we know of the places where we're engaged in warfare, if not an outright war, which is very different with bombs and mm -hmm. camps there, and in some places, rebuilding efforts, whether those are going well or not. And the wars that we hear about that mirror closer to what we read about in the Bible with rape and plunder mm -hmm. and those things are mostly in developing countries. Right. But let's not pretend they're not happening. Let's not pretend that's not part of the um, famines that are hitting in certain African countries at this point. Because it is. And let's own the fact that we are culpable of that. Right. That even when, you know, in places where we have our standoff weapons, mm -hmm. where we send ordnance in from far away, we're creating a situation that those kinds of wars um, can, can thrive and can happen, right? I mean, ISIS right. didn't happen without our help. Right. Not that we helped ISIS, right? Mm -hmm. We created the conditions in which ISIS could, could rise up. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we're coming up on 10 minutes. I think that, um, I, I think this is a complicated topic, and I think it's difficult for us to deal with. And I think, um, weirdly, even though the Bible talks about war so much, I find it, it's hard to find guidance for us in our modern position, you know, today. And, right. And I lean far more toward pacifists. We never engage any of this, and if everyone agreed... We're just not joining the military, then we'd fix everything. Yeah. Um, I also realize that's not entirely realistic, nor am I a diehard pacifist. But I get that way more and more all the time. Yeah. The more you think, you know what, maybe actually let's just try that for a little bit. Yeah. No. All right. Well, that'll be our takeaway. Let's just try absolute pacifism, you know, for a couple decades and see how it goes. Right. We'll see. All right. Well, very good. Until next time, cheers.